0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode. I'm your host, Brad Betkey. I'm looking forward to this week. We have the NFL Week 1. It has finally returned to us after a long hiatus. We'll be talking about some legendary women in the sports world. Be going over a Week 1 reflection of college football and of course this week's fast break so sit back relax and stay tuned for episode 41 of the box score sports podcast Took my baby to the Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode 41 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. You already know what time it is. The NFL is back. Life is good again. It's worth living. It's just the best time of the year. It really is. Ongoing football again and again until February. That's what the hell I'm talking about. Now let's get into it. Starting off week one, you had the Bills face off at the Rams in L.A. The Bills have continued their streak of winning in L.A. against the Rams to now four of their last appearances in L.A. They've won the game. 31-10, the final score, Buffalo out on top, Josh Allen being your leading passer and rusher for the Bills. Very quiet rushing Attack for the Bills. Unfortunate occurrence for rookie James Cook. Had one carry and it was a fumble. Sucks to see a guy in his first career carry like that. But it happens to the best of us. Let's talk about defense. I think we all knew that this game was going to be very heavy on the defensive side of things. And it, it very much was so. You had seven total sacks come from the Bills. Two from Von Miller. One from Gregory Rousseau. One and a half from Jordan Phillips. You also had one come from Boogie Basham, and one and a half from A.J. Espinosa. Seven sacks in the first game of the season against the Super Bowl champions. I tell you what this sounds like to me. It sounds like paybacks to the Ram. Yeah, payback to the Rams for. Joe Burrow getting sacked nine times in the Super Bowl. Because that's pretty ridiculous. Not to mention, let's not forget, there were three interceptions from Boogie Basham, Jordan Poyer, and Dane Jackson. I remember I had a few people reach out to me this week to figure out, what my pick was for the game. And initially I was very hesitant. I wasn't really sure because I was like, it's really hard to pick a favorite here. Uh, You got the Super Bowl champions facing off against my favorites for this year's Super Bowl. So it was a real head-scratcher for a while. But once I really sat back and thought about it, the Bills have the better team, specifically the better defense, and they proved it. Seven sacks, three interceptions. They they showed up today. They did exactly what I expected them to do, and I think a lot of the experts did as well. And I think that this is a testament to what we're going to see from the Bills throughout the remainder of the season. So with that being said, I want to go over really quick. I'm going to do a preview of all the games for Week 1 of the NFL. I'm just going to run through the teams playing each other, who I think will win in a very short, brief reason why. And, yes, this will be something I'll be doing every week. So, first game, we got New Orleans and Atlanta. I'm taking New Orleans. I just think that overall they have the better team, especially on defense, and Atlanta just has too many holes on the roster. Cleveland and the Carolina Panthers. I'm taking Cleveland, kind of the same thing. Carolina doesn't really have what it takes to compete against a team like Cleveland, especially on defense with stars like Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, list goes on. San Francisco at Chicago. Pretty obvious here. Uh, San Francisco is the better team. They do have a very powerful offense, but also a very good defense as well. And I think that Elijah Mitchell is going to start to really kind of take over this offense now that he's the primary rusher. Last year, they kind of gave him the green light, and it was good for him and the team as well. So I think that if they're going to be able to start him from the jump here, they're going to get good results. Pittsburgh and the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm taking the Bengals just because I think the Bengals are actually better than they were last year. As I mentioned in a previous episode, you had the Bengals go and get a better O-line, and that's really big for a team like the Bengals. Philadelphia at the Detroit Lions. I'm taking Philly. I just don't think the Lions are really quite there yet. Mentally, they're there, and they want to win, but Philly is my pick to win the NFC East this year and potentially be fighting for an NFC championship spot as well. You have an interdivision matchup, Indianapolis Colts facing up against the Houston Texans. Really not much question here. I'm taking the Colts, no doubt. Another interdivisional matchup, the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to take Miami here. I think that that team is a lot different from what we saw last year, and I think I mean that in they're different for the better. You have the Baltimore Ravens against the New York Jets. I'm taking Baltimore. Not much to explain there. Just the better team all around. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Washington Commanders still don't like it. I'm taking Jacksonville. I think that they've moved on from the Urban Meyer era. I think they've grown a lot as a team. They went out and got a couple good things. They have Etienne back, who's healthy. They went and got Christian Kirk. Um, I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to take a big jump this year. Not huge, but I think he'll make a big jump from last year. Kansas City Chiefs and Arizona Cardinals. um, Taking Kansas City, I think despite losing Tyreek, they're still going to have a very powerful offense. And I do think that not having DeAndre Hopkins and losing Chandler Jones in the offseason is going to have a big hurt on the Arizona Cardinals. The Las Vegas Raiders and the LA Chargers, I'm going to take the Raiders here just because I think that their offense is just that much better than the Chargers. Chargers have a good, well-rounded, balanced team, but I just think Vegas has had some time to really get comfortable. Obviously, Devontae and Carr have good chemistry, not to mention everybody else on the Raiders has been with Carr, so they also have good chemistry. Green Bay and Minnesota, another interdivisional. I'm taking Green Bay here. I arguably, in my opinion, I think they finished with one of the top three defenses in the league this year. Despite not having much of a receiving core, Aaron Rodgers is still going to get it done. The New York Giants and the Tennessee Titans. I'm taking the Titans here. I think that this is one of the most for-sure matchups this week. I would say that there's really not much of a question there. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. This is another one that was kind of hard for me because you look at the Cowboys from last year. Fantasy-wise, they finished number one in defense and they were a playoff team. Now, Tampa Bay lost their tight end. Gronk was a huge part of that offense. Let's not forget. And I think everybody's kind of aged a bit. Not a shot at Tom Brady. I just think that I don't know if the team is as good as it is the year it won the Super Bowl. I don't think it ever will be again, unfortunately. So, But I'm still going to take Tampa Bay here. I still think that they're the better team than Dallas. And then your last matchup of the day of the week, I mean, Russell Wilson goes up against his alma mater, the Denver Broncos, matched up against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm taking Denver. They are a much better team than Seattle. I think that Russell Wilson was holding Seattle together by a thread, and when he left, that sweater got shredded. I don't know. I said thread, so I tried to keep it within cloth or clothing. So there you have it. Week 1 preview for the NFL. I picked my winners. I told you why. I want you to tell me who your winners are and why. I'd love to talk this stuff with you and explore some of the different possibilities you can come up with now really quick i want to do a bit of a a segment here if you will i want to talk about the two legendary sports women in sports that have retired as of this last week starting with sue bird sue bird played what will be known as her last game in seattle on Tuesday let's go over some of her accolades while she was in the WNBA she was a four-time champion a 13-time all-star five-time WNBA all first team and she's the all-time leader in assists and games played for the WNBA absolute icon Somebody that young ladies should look up to at all times. Definitely one of the greatest to ever do it in the sport. Y'all got to understand, Sue Bird is like the LeBron James of the WNBA. One of the best ever. There's got to be acknowledgement. She is a legend for sure. And then looking at Serena Williams, another legend in the tennis platform. Um, Finished with 73 wins or single titles. 23 majors or Grand Slams, 386 consecutive weeks at the number one rank, and 11 being the most wins in a single season. Serena had 26 seasons pro, Sue had 20 seasons pro. As they say, seasoned veterans is quite literally the proper term for these ladies. They definitely had a major impact on each of their sports, and I think sports in general. I saw something, an interview with Stephen A. Smith this last week that um, he was. They asked him who he they think who he thinks are the most underappreciated or overhated. Athletes, And his first answer was Serena Williams. And I think that there, there has to be an argument made there. Because you would argue that Serena Williams is one of the greatest athletes of all time. I mean, the, the, the impact that she had on, on tennis. And you think about how much attention was drawn to tennis because of Serena Williams. You know, I don't think many of us would be watching if it weren't for the very few names. Serena Williams, uh, Rafael Nadal, Djokovic. Roger Federer. You know, and the impact that Serena had everywhere. Everyone knows who she is, you know. So there's definitely gotta be some respect. So you just gotta I'm gonna give a nod to those athletes, Sue Burr, Serena Williams. Amazing careers officially have come to an end. May the legacies live on. Now we're going to go over a post-week-one AP poll top 10 and just kind of give you guys an update for those that don't know through the week one of college football. At number one, we still have Alabama with their 55 to nothing win over Utah State. Not much of a surprise here. Bama was the best team. Shut out of school. Despite how bad they are, shutting out a team is still a very impressive statistic. At number two, Georgia has knocked Ohio State out of the second spot with their 49-3 win over formerly ranked 11 Oregon, who is now not even ranked at all. They got absolutely blown out by Georgia. Bo Nix did not show that he is still capable of what he flashed that first year at Auburn, and it looks rough for Oregon. They have a lot of growing to do, whereas Georgia looked very good. If you remember the previous episode, I discussed how I wasn't too sure about Georgia's defense. A lot of newcomers, uh, first-year players trying to replace a lot of the great players that left for the draft, and they did fantastic. In the third spot, you have Ohio State with the 21-10 victory over Notre Dame. It was a good game. I am glad that I watched it. I do think that both teams have some things to improve on. And I do think that we kind of saw glimpses, but never really got the full effect of what both teams were capable of. Looking at the number four spot, you have the University of Michigan with a 51-7 to victory over Colorado State University. I would say that most people expected Michigan to win this game. Absolutely. I don't know about this caliber. And the QB battle got a little bit more clear. You know, rub the, rub the steam off your glasses. Cade McNamara had quite a rough game, and that's coming from somebody who was our primary starter all of last season, and now you're looking at J.J. McCarthy, second-year player, last-year true freshman, potentially taking over as starter, which I think they had already planned on starting him against Hawaii in Week 2. So the fact that he outplayed McNamara in Week 1 gives him all the more reason to be your starter. Looking at the number 5 spot, you've got Clemson with a 41-10 to victory over Georgia Tech. I think that Clemson still has some of what we know them to be capable of. And DJ Yungalehile, I'm sorry I butchered that. I think he, he shows signs of potential that he could be really good. But it, there's still some work to do, still some things that he's kind of missing out on. At the number 6 spot, Texas A&M with a 31-0 victory over Sam Houston. Not much of a competition there. Texas A&M definitely not the team that they were a few years ago, but they are still a top team in this league. They definitely have a good contention spot for the playoffs. Number 7, Oklahoma with a 45-13 to victory over UTEP. They definitely came out and showed that they still have what it takes despite losing Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, quarterback. And I think that Oklahoma, within a couple of years, will be at the top all over again. At the number 8 spot, falling down because of their loss, Notre Dame with the 10-21 loss to Ohio State. I really went over that game already. At number 9, you have Baylor with their 69-10 win over Albany. I think Baylor has a lot of young talent, and I think that if they can develop those players and not have them go to the league, if they can avoid that, then they'll benefit and they will flourish, if you will. And then lastly, at the number 10 spot, speaking of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, the USC Trojans with their 66-14 victory over Rice, not to mention transfer from Pittsburgh, Jordan Addison showing that it was a worthy transfer indeed. Upcoming in week two, your first key matchup, Tennessee Vols in Pittsburgh. USC transfer Kedon Slovis threw for 308 yards, one touchdown in week one. Can he evolve from there and defeat the favorites, Tennessee, coming in as the 24th ranked and Pittsburgh being the 17th ranked? Next up, you got Kentucky and Florida. Florida, we did see a really good, hefty, hefty helping of Anthony Richardson, quarterback, highlight reel, game one. Had great, great plays, great film. Was the leading rusher, leading passer. Actually had a better rushing performance than he did passing. Personally, 11 carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns definitely a college entertainment machine for sure excited to see the number 12 florida gators face up against the number 20 kentucky Wildcats. you've also got the number nine baylor facing off against the number 21 byu cosmos it's really the only other ranked matchup this week for week two of college football i would also say to keep an eye on iowa iowa state Interstate rivalry always is entertaining in college football. That about wraps it up for your college football week two preview and week one wrap up. I definitely think that the season's going to get more interesting as it goes, but overall, I'm just happy that college football is back. Another interesting story in college football. The college football playoff board has officially voted to expand to 12 teams for the playoffs and the goal is to implement that as soon as possible. This one I think was a curveball for a lot of people because it means a very different experience for the playoff bracket. I think that you're probably still going to get your 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 first round bye for your number 1 seeds. Um, but the question is are the are the eight seeds on or the sorry the six seeds on each side still going to be like genuine contenders and it really comes down to are they going to be fair matchup is it going to be teams that belong there but i can't say i'm not excited it's more football so i'm definitely curious to see how it plays out it's de- it's something new so it's hard to really say anything but um, overall i'd say i'm looking forward to it all right ladies and gentlemen you know what time it is for this week's fast break let's get right into it angels pitcher and batter shohei otani has broken yet another record being the first ever player in MLB history to hit 30 home runs and record 10 pitching wins in the same season this guy continues to amaze us a very interesting look at the trade between the Washington Nationals that included Juan Soto to the San Diego Padres. Since the trade, Juan Soto's average is .256 on three home runs, six RBIs. Whereas Joey Meneses, who came from the Padres and went to the Nationals, is on .354, seven home runs, 15 RBIs. As of right now, it's looking like the Nationals, went, regardless of what Soto's capable of, have won the trade since the date of the trade. For the first time since 2007, there will be zero rookie quarterbacks that will start in week one of the NFL. I just thought that was quite fascinating to really think about how many rookie QBs have started since 2007. 12-year seasoned veteran in the NFL, Emmanuel Sanders has officially announced his retirement. Great career from a guy like him. He's been through a lot. St. Louis Cardinal pitcher Adam Wainwright and catcher Yadier Molina made their 324th career start Thursday, tying the Major League record set by Detroit Tigers Mickey Lolich and Bill Freehand from 1963 to 1975. Definitely a insane stat, a great feat to have, and both players received a standing ovation from the crowd as they made their way in from the bullpen before first pitch against the Nationals. Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney signs a 10-year, $115 million contract to stay with the University of Clemson as their head coach. And lastly, guys, I just wanted to let you know I do potentially have a new segment coming. I have a good idea. I just want to make sure that I structure it correctly, that it works in well with the episodes. I don't want to just randomly throw something in without it making sense. So I hope that you are excited. I am, too. And that will be all for this week's Fast Break and this week's episode. A little bit slower. There's going to be a little bit more to come in future weeks. We've only had one game happen so far. Next week we obviously will be reflecting on the games the same way we did with the Bills-Rams game this week. And I will try to, I think, narrow it down to a handful of my favorite games rather than going over every single one so I am looking forward to it, you guys. I appreciate you tuning in for this week. Like I said, again, we have the business cards. If you're looking for any kind of kind-hearted distribution for us, we would greatly appreciate it. Just reach out to us and we will get some shipped to you in a matter of time. I will see you guys next week for episode 42 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. Peace out. To the highest highs. highs, highs.